the edge with your Premier League predictions while well, we've teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data behind the game this season. From outright favourites to expected goals outsiders, we'll help you find value in the markets this season. This is Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome to Premier League Insights and this is with Pinnacle Thanks for being with us and thanks for joining us for the third episode, game week number three here on the podcast, here every single week of the Premier League season uh, with Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal and me, James Gregg. Now, the whole idea, if you've never listened to the podcast before, um, and sorry if you do listen to this podcast and I'm teaching you to suck eggs a little bit, but the whole gist of the podcast is we go through all the best value um, matches. We pick out four kind of standout matches for the game week ahead. And we try to see where you can find the value in the market as a better uh, with Pinnacle. And also InfoGoal as well, which is who Jake works for and uh, provides us with the wonderful model that we use to dissect and predict all the things that are going to happen in the Premier League week ahead. Um, Jake, first of all, a, a bit of a mixed bag, but I tell you what, we're getting there. You know, when you've not got a lot of form to go off and we're only, you know, into the second game week. I think we had a pretty good week. So we'll run through um, some of the uh, matches from game week number two. Uh, Liverpool versus Burnley, both teams to score is what we said. Unfortunately, that was no good uh, because Burnley let us down massively. But then again, Anfield was bouncing, wasn't it? So, you know, there we go. Um, But um, the other disappointing one was Southampton against Manchester United. We recommended Manchester United minus one goal on the Asian handicap. Uh, We actually said that Southampton looked absolutely awful. Um, and uh, that was just um, for the yeah. most part of that game. <laughs> it was but, just a case of United not being able to finish the dinner. Correct, correct. They should have put that one to bed really early doors. But on a more positive note, we had Leeds Everton. Uh, we said to back Everton, not a lot of value there, so we chucked in a both teams to score as well. And West Ham Leicester, we did say goals, goals, goals. We thought they might have been shared out perhaps a little bit more than what they were. And also, Jake, you um, implored people to kind of go West Ham to win that one. David Moyes. And his side. I mean, what has he done there? What's he done? I think West Ham could be a popular bet um, each week. And also, you yeah. led by the uh, Sheffield Wednesday legend, Mikel Antonio. <laughs> Is he a Wednesday legend, really? Yeah, he got us promoted from League One back in 2012, single handedly. Not Wildest Forest legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you said Brighton to win because you actually think Brighton, it could be kind of their season, really. In terms yeah. of all the data's pointing towards Brighton, yeah. And I think I think I caveated saying that people will probably think I'm nuts backing Brighton at around 1.8 to beat any team. <laughs> but they, they are they are much better than the likes of Watford. Um and then yeah, the best bet of the week, or my favorite bet of the week was Chelsea just to beat Arsenal at around 1.85. I think I, you know, everything that we said on the podcast sort of came to fruition. Lukaku had a field day. Um, you know. Arsenal didn't look like scoring at all and it was just a procession really it was um, so actually not a bad week really if we look at it on the face of it I think things will get better as the season goes on and we sort of get a bit more data and we work out what teams are actually like but that wasn't a bad start uh, really um, in the second week of the season now this is game week number three so we're going to streamline it we're going to find value in the markets Um, And if you are a better uh, with Pinnacle, you can get an advantage. So all odds are correct at the time of recording this podcast. So we don't know uh, about injuries and starting lineups and that kind of thing, but it's still a pretty good idea. Um, And also if you're quick enough, you get the odds that we talk about, which is always a bonus. 
so we'll, we'll start actually um, off with the Saturday half past 12 game. I think Arsenal are going to get put to the sword by Manchester City uh, somehow. But, you think? <laughs> I mean, I'm really, really putting my neck on the line with that, aren't I? Big time, yeah. <laughs> um, Jake, um, the info goal model predicts a 65% chance of a win for Manchester City and there's a 13% chance that Arsenal will win. Uh, the draw is 22%. Um, the analyst reckons absolutely not both teams to score. Um, of course, last time, actually, Arsenal beat City in the... Uh, in, in the Premier League, it was two one win at the Emirates in 2015. 2015. So I mean, that's that's a long, that's a long time ago to say that we still talk about Arsenal as being one of the big clubs in in the league, isn't it? Really. Um, so the value, I mean, Arsenal way out at twelve and a half on Pinnacle, which is ridiculous. Uh, but I think that's also a glowing indictment of how. Uh, good or bad they look as a team uh, really so Manchester City score over two and a half goals is 2.13 and Manchester City to win to nil is just over twos Um, Jake value in this game is that pretty much those odds I've highlighted are they the ones that you'd be going for or would you be trying to load this one up a little bit knowing what we know about Arsenal no, definitely. The the one that, that you said there, Manchester City win to nil, that was where my thought went immediately when looking at this game. Um, we know Manchester City last season were sensational when it came to defending. They were we conceded very few chances regularly. Um, you know, our average of just 0.85 expected goals against per game over the entire season. Um, and yeah, Arsenal have looked toothless so far this season. They look really bad um, going forward. Against Brentford, they had 22 shots. But each shot had an XG value of around 0.05 uh, on average, so a 5% chance of scoring, one in 20. Um, and then against Chelsea, they, they looked even worse. They didn't really have a chance at all. Um, so, yeah, you know, you factor in everything that's going on there as well with the COVID cases and key players being out injured. Aubameyang came on at the weekend against Chelsea. I mean, he might not have bothered cover not coming on, to be honest. I don't think he touched the football. Um, but I guess that's minutes in his leg. And yeah, I guess it's kind of a free hit for Arsenal, this one. They're expected to lose. But when, when the pressure is piling on Arteta, he's going to the, the Etihad, a place where he left to go manage Arsenal. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much weight you put on the fact that Arsenal have also got a midweek Carabao Cup match and Manchester City haven't. And given the, the sort of predicament Arsenal find themselves in, we are recording this on a Tuesday, by the way, for, for the listeners. Um, the predicament they find themselves in, they might actually prioritise that Carabao Cup game away at West Brom over this game against Manchester City because, you know, when it comes to chances of winning, they've got a much better chance of beating West Brom and getting themselves a bit of momentum uh, heading into the international break than winning this one. So definitely looking at Manchester City, win to nil. Um, if you want a safer bet and if, you know, if, you, if you're not quite sold on Manchester City winning, which I think is a little bit... Strange. Um, then, yeah, just, just both teams to score now, I think it's a very backable price. Um, around 1.78 on Pinnacle, so that's pretty much industry best price at the moment. Yeah. Um, rest of it, I think it's 1.75 elsewhere. That just looks like a real runner. I mean, you know, we've seen Arsenal frustrate Manchester City under Arteta. They've done their best to do that. Obviously, they beat them in the FA Cup a couple of years ago when they won that. Um, I think that was 2-0 on that day, on that occasion. So there's every chance Arsenal do spring a surprise. Um, and if they do, it will be through defence and counter-attacking, in which case Manchester City's chances of scoring. But if Arsenal were to win, I would imagine we'd, we'd be lower. If Arsenal are to win, it won't be a high-scoring game. Um, but yeah, firmly on the Manchester City win to nil train, 2.06. But 
I will put forward a best bet, slightly shorter odds there, 1.78, both teams to score now. It's just really difficult to see Arsenal breaking down what is a very stubborn Manchester City defence. I mean, by the way, you know, if you are a blind uh, Gunners fan and you just absolutely want it, the, the odds are, <laughs> well, you're going to get some serious value there, aren't you? Um, but I mean, look, is there any, there's not, I mean, what's what's the data saying? Is there anything at all that is pointing towards Arsenal potentially, apart from this kind of semantic, oh, it's a free hit, oh, Arteta's under pressure and therefore, you know, strange things happen and he might just prolong himself with a miracle result. And that's all semantics, it's measurables that we talk about, anything that is measurable that gives any Arsenal fans any kind of value, Jake? Uh, not really, no. Um, <laughs> if we're okay. being straight and honest, just because Manchester City are, are cut above, and you said there that, I mean, that Arsenal are still in this big six bracket, well, they're probably in the big six alongside Watford, Norwich, Brentford, Crystal Palace, those boys down the bottom end at the moment. That's the kind of level that they're playing at. Um, it's a bit cheeky that me, but they're literally, you know, as I've said, that they're struggling in attack. They're not creating any big chances. Um, missing key attacking players is obviously a huge issue, but the balance of the team just doesn't seem right. We saw um, Chelsea just, well, they manhandled Arsenal for the most part. They just, they just look stronger. They look fitter. They look uh, more well-organised. Um, you know, Monday Night Football did a good job of analysing that game from a tactical standpoint in the fact that they bet Arsenal tried to go 1v1 all over the pitch with Chelsea and that, mm. that just won't work when you've got inferior players all over the pitch. And if they try to do that against Manchester City, you know, instead of 2-0, you're looking at maybe 5-0 because Manchester City's players are individually arguably better than Chelsea's players all over the pitch. Um, and Chelsea managed to create over three expected goals against this Arsenal team. So, yeah, it's, it's not looking great and, um, you know, it's going to be another completely different task because we know Manchester City are going towards this false nine kind of approach. Whereas, you know, you saw Pablo Mari get bullied from, you know, minute one to minute 90 by Lukaku. He's going to be just in a world of chaos because he's going to have loads of people bombing around him. The different, you know, him and Holding and then Xhaka is going to be the same. It's interchanging positions. It's really difficult to keep an eye on uh, certain players and positions they're picking up. So, yeah, it, it's very difficult to make a case. As you've said, Arsenal haven't beaten City since 2015. And every time they've met in the last couple of seasons has been, um, well, procession. It's been it's been yeah. extremely comfortable. I mean, they've beaten 1-0 at the Emirates last season at City, 1-0 at, at, at the Etihad. Before that, it was 3-0 and 3-0. Um, before that, 3-1, 2-0, 3-0. So you've seen a pattern. Arsenal rarely score against Manchester City and Manchester yeah. City went very comfortably. And um, yeah, I can't see that pattern changing really. Awesome. Well, there we go. I mean, that was a fairly easy one to kind of uh, nail down, I think, to start things off. And I'm not sure our listeners will have really learned to load uh, there. But you know what, Jake, you pointed, <laughs> people, what they know, yeah. you pointed people in the right direction in terms of where the value in, is in the market, which is the whole point of the podcast. A game that actually will, I think a lot of punters will need a little bit of um, help with um, here is the next game that we're going to analyse here. Um, Aston Villa against Brentford, Saturday, 3pm kickoff at Villa Park. Of course, a little bit of a storyline, um, as there always is with uh, any kind of Premier League game, but you've got the Aston Villa manager, Dean Smith, who's playing against, uh, facing his former side. He's not playing, obviously, but you know what I mean, managing against his former side. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Brentford have kept two clean sheets so far, Jake. I think that's probably going to be key to taking any points at Villa Park this weekend, isn't it? Keeping themselves tight at the back. Um, you've What's interesting is as well, you've got Danny Ings um, and um, Ivan Tony as well. Um, there's two strikers for both sides. 
Now that's interesting for me because they've both got like this key marksman um, that everybody will be hoping that scores basically almost a reliance on them scoring uh, for either side to, you know, get any points of any game week in the Premier League season. Brentford have acclimatised well uh, to Premier League uh, soccer. Um, Right. Okay. Both teams to score. Yes. Is at 1.79. Both teams to score and Villa win is at 4.2 and a 54% chance with Villa. Um, uh, to win with info goal. So, Jake, what what we're we talking? What we're we thinking here? I think that looks pretty good to me. Four point two Villa win, both teams to score. Or are you going to disabuse me of that notion? Yeah, my 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 grin there was just me preparing to to disagree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I good. think the info goal model, obviously, like you said, has got Aston Villa as fifty four percent chance. But at the moment, because we're so early in the season, we haven't really factored in. Um, well, there's not a large enough sample size to, to sort of factor in how good Brentford have been, not just from an you know, overall perspective, but defensively in particular, they've been absolutely fantastic. Um, and, you know, um, and then you're looking at Aston Villa and I'm not sold on Villa at all yet. I really am. I'm not. I know they beat Newcastle <clears throat> last time out 2-0, but they struggled to create chances yet again. I mean, if you take away the penalty, they managed just 0.55 non-penalty expected goals. And you combine that with the fact that they only managed 0.46 on penalty expected goals against Watford. And you're seeing a real issue in terms of chance creation from open play. So you combine that with the fact that they're playing a Brentford team who've kept two clean sheets, have limited Arsenal to next to nothing. Crystal Palace really struggled to create any sort of chance whatsoever against Brentford last time out. Um, And I think that you've got a recipe for A, a low scoring game and B, a Brentford result. So those would be my two angles of attack in this one. As I've said, I'm not sold on Villa so far. I think they've got some issues that they need to deal with, where the creative load comes from in the absence of Jack Grealish. They've obviously brought in the players. They've brought in Buendia, uh, Bailey, who can you know, are capable of doing that. But I think that at the moment, they're just struggling to gel. They're not quite there yet. Um, and I think Brentford can take advantage. So the two bets I like in this, the, the goal line is set at 2.5, so you can back over and under at 1.95. I'm definitely signing with the under on that one. Um, under 2.5 goals at 1.95. Um, and Villa, they're just a shade over even uh, even money. Shade of odds against. So I think we can take advantage of that and, and get Brentford on side plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap at around 1.9. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if this was another nil-nil involving Brentford. Um, I think there'll be that kind of team this season they'll be very difficult to break down but at the same time they might struggle to create clear-cut chances so um, yeah I, I'm not expecting this to be an absolute thriller but I think we can find a bit of value I know we mentioned the Asian handicap quite a lot here on the Premier League Insights podcast so if there's listeners who perhaps haven't heard that before just explain what that gets you so you've mentioned 0.5 uh, for Brentford there on the Asian handicap just explain what that means if you don't mind Jake yeah, so the plus 0.5 on the Asian handicap is basically the same as a double chance bet. So Brentford plus 0.5 means that we get a winner if Brentford avoid defeat. So if they draw the match or win the match, the only way this bet would lose is if Aston Villa actually won the game. So we're basically opposing Aston Villa um, with the Brentford plus 0.5. There we go. Beautifully done. Beautifully explained. Uh, this man knows his stuff. So that's Brentford Villa boxed off and... Well, two very good bets there that Jake suggested. Keep an eye on that and maybe get that on your coupon this weekend. Now, the next game is is also a three o'clock kickoff. I talked last week about how much we love the return of the three o'clock kickoffs. It just makes a Premier League game week feel 
I don't know, just just feel a little bit more exciting, doesn't it? I, I, I really enjoyed that at the weekend, the whole buzz of all these kickoffs happening at the same time. And I know we've had it in the lower leagues, but Premier League games, I think it just adds a little bit of value to it. And the fact that here in the UK, I know we've got lots of listeners um, around the world who can watch uh, the, these games and they probably think, well, what's the significance of it? But for here, it adds a lot of excitement. Anyway, I'll stop going on about that. That's two weeks have gone on. Very, very boring, James. Um, <laughs> You've only West- got another 35 weeks for you to go through it. It's fine. <laughs> uh, West Ham against uh, Crystal Palace is the next game now that we're going to analyse at the London Stadium, three o'clock UK time. Uh, London Derby, this one. I mean, there's lots of London derbies. Invariably, there's probably one every single week in the Premier League this season. Um, analyst um, reckons both teams to score no, and that's at 1.961. I'll get your thoughts on that in a moment, Jake. Um, Palace, three shots on target in two matches. Um, I think they probably need an inspired Wilfred uh, Zahar uh, to secure first points of the season. Um, West Ham, plenty of attacking options. They are in talks to... uh, potentially add to their squad as well. We've talked about how much we enjoy um, West Ham and their attacking football. But in terms of um, finding the advantage um, for soccer fans, Jake, where can we potentially find the value? 58% chance of a West Ham win is what Info Goal saying. Crystal Palace, just 18% chance of victory. So it's nearly as one-sided this um, in terms of prediction as um, Manchester City against Arsenal. Is that the way that you see it? Definitely, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've got one team who is, you know, re- really in the ascendancy there, kicking on from where they left off last season, look extremely dangerous when they go forward, um, playing against a team who currently don't really have an identity. They're in transition. They're trying to switch from a, you know, a very robust model under Roy Hodgson, difficult to beat, uninspiring not very easy on the eye um, to, you know, I think I think the plan is, I mean, I couldn't tell you because I personally think Patrick Vieira is just the French version of Roy Hodgson. Um, but, you know, they, they, they brought in these younger players. They're trying to freshen up a little bit, but we're yet to see any attacking football that catches the eye and that really excites people. So, um, yeah, it's, an, it's a fascinating game. I think the odds for the, in the one X2 market are bang on, really. West Ham deserve to be extremely short. They, you know, they've played well enough over the last... 18 months to deserve that tag. Um, not even just last season, but the back end of the season before when they survived relegation thanks to a late rally. Um, and yeah, Crystal Palace are still sort of in a little bit of limbo. They've uh, they've created just 0.34 expected goals against Chelsea, 0.62 against Brentford. So they're yet to create uh, one expected goal to combined over two matches, which is kind of very vintage Crystal Palace. Um, you know, if you... You look at the, the the process from last season under Hodgson, he managed just 38.8 expected goals over 38 matches, so an average of just over one a game. And at the moment, they've set off worse than that. And it's difficult to see them actually improving on that, given the way they've started. So again, I'm, I'm not to be boring and agreeing with what the Infogol analyst verdict is saying, but both teams to score no looks a real bet in this. It really does. I know West Ham, you're looking at their recent score lines and they've not kept many clean sheets, but they played against Newcastle, who are an improving attacking team. They're completely opposite to Palace. They're throwing, you know, the kitchen sink at matches and it's making them really entertaining to watch. They've played Leicester, who've obviously got way more attacking talent than, than Palace have. Um, and, you know, that's the reason they've been breached on those two occasions. I find it really difficult to see where Palace are going to score from. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned it there, Zahar. Is he interested? Difficult to say. You've got Eze. Is he fit yet? Um, Elise still settling in. 
Mateta, Benteke, do they really inspire you? Uh, I mean, they don't me, but you never know. <laughs> the other thing with Palace is they've got the capabilities to be dangerous on the counter-attack and set pieces, but West Ham are such a big side from set pieces that sort of cancels out one of their biggest threats. Um, and with the double pivot of Suchek and Rice, they're really good at sniffing out the counter-attack. So I do find it very difficult to see where Crystal Palace is going to get a goal from in this one. Um, I think their mm. best hope is going to be playing for a nil-nil draw. Um, and yeah, so both teams to score no looks are a really, really good bet. I think, again, most of the bookmakers around uh, the globe have got this priced evenly, around 1.85 apiece. Both teams to score yes, both teams to score no. But on Pinnacle, you can actually get both teams to score no at 1.95, which is a you know a, a much bigger price. And it's definitely something that should be snapped up, in my opinion. I, I just can't see where Crystal Palace's goals are coming from. That's really good uh, to kind of work through. And that's how the info goal model works, using the expected goals to work out basically what's going to happen at the weekend. Game week three, uh, Jake Oscar Thorpe from info goal reckons both teams to score no is a good bet for West Ham against, well, a struggling Crystal Palace so far. I know it's early days, but I completely with you on all of that. Um, it was early days when Frank De Boer got chopped. So it yeah, was looking over his shoulder. <laughs> And when that's exactly, you know, there was whispers of that, wasn't there, when Vieira took over. And, I mean, it's looking fairly realistic at the moment. Whisper it very, very quietly. Uh, we're going to move on. This is the last featured game. Any other business to follow? Uh, but Liverpool... It, against, it's uh, not a Liverpool, bad game, this, is it? No, no, no it's, it's not. not a bad one. There's quite a lot to go at as well here. Liverpool against Chelsea at Anfield, half past five UK time on Saturday. Um, interesting. Info goal go under two and a half goals. The pinnacle price for that is at 1.833. The likes of Lukaku, Havertz, Mount, Salah, Jota, Mane on show. Um, would over two and a half goals be worth a look, Jake? I'm thinking at, at, at twos. Just hold that thought for a second. Um, info goal, have it in the balance, really. Uh, 40% chance of Liverpool winning. Uh, Chelsea, surprisingly, actually less than that, 32% chance. I'm sure you'll explain why, Jake. Liverpool have won their last seven league games, of course, straddling uh, from the back end of last season into this season. Chelsea are um, 3.750 second favourites for the title, which is not really surprising when you consider that they are the European champions and they have bolstered their squad and they look really good. And Thomas Tuchel seems to have sorted them out defensively as well. Um, Van Dijk against Lukaku appears to be one of the biggest storylines as well. Um, biggest being the operative word as well. They're both massive. Um, and uh, can, can Liverpool's forwards um, exploit this strong Chelsea defence? Um, you know, Harvey Elliott, Harvey Elliott, is he going to retain his place? So many different storylines and narratives. Uh, but basically, the whole crux of it, we could talk about Van Dijk against Lukaku and all that kind of stuff. I don't think we're going to. Our listeners want to know exactly where they can find the value in the betting market. And Jake, I think you've probably got a good idea. This is a great game to try and uh, get your teeth sucked into. It is, yeah. It's uh, it's a difficult one to kind of assess because we've got obviously Liverpool. They're not the you're not in in that sort of weird period last season without the best players where they look sort of not an average team, but uh, you know slightly below the top four level. They're much more like the team that we saw a couple of years ago that romped to the title. And Chelsea looked like a you know a serious contender, so we, it's an early season huge six pointer in effect. Um, yeah, just quickly touching on the Van Dyke Lukaku. If I'm Lukaku, I'm pulling on to Matic. Forget Van Dyke, just yeah. try and pin Matic. Um, but yeah, Liverpool will be much smarter, much more much more different in their approach to Arsenal. Arsenal just sat off, drop deep. Uh, Liverpool will play a high press, try and force Jorginho and Kovacic into releasing the ball earlier. 
whether that'll work or not, I'm not too sure. Um, but they will also play a high line Liverpool, which, you know, you've, you've gonna, you're going to have the likes of Werner will probably play in this one, I think. Um, Lukaku, obviously, is like lighting off the shoulder. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's tactically, it's going to be fascinating. You've got, in the dugout, you've got Klopp and Tuchel, who've taken a very similar managerial steps from Mainz to Dortmund and then to bigger European clubs. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. But what I would say is that I expect defences to come out on top. Um, you know, Salah, Jota, Mane, they are going to create a few chances between them. The same goes for Chelsea's front three. Um, but ultimately, I think the strength of these two sides is predominantly in their defence. Um, it was the defence that led Liverpool to the title. So, you know, so sensationally. And, and Chelsea, it's their defence that took them to the Champions League final and ultimately pulled them back into the top four. Uh, I've spoken about, I've thrown the numbers around from last season under Tuchel. I think it's like 0.68 expected goals against per game in the Premier League. So far this season, they've um, allowed 0.34 to Palace, 0.68 to Arsenal. So they're continuing that trend of just literally limiting their opponents to next to nothing. Um, and Liverpool... They, again, limited Norwich to nothing apart from a couple of set-piece chances right at the very end after the game was dead. Uh, Burnley had a few a few early opportunities, but after Liverpool got the first goal, that was, again, just sort of game over in, in, a, in, in a sense. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. And uh, the Infogol model is, is side of a Liverpool. 40% chance of a Liverpool win. Um, we've got Liverpool rated slightly better than Chelsea heading into, into the season. Um, factoring home field advantage, and that's why we've got a small edge of value in, in terms of backing Liverpool to win. Personally, I'd steer clear of, of, of backing anything in that 1x2 because I think it's just such a tightly contested game. I'd be very, very tempted to back the biggest price in the 1x2 and that's the draw. I think the draw is a serious runner. Um, 3.4 is is the, the draw on Pinnacle. I think that's probably where I put my money in that market. Um, I think that, like I said, these two will, will cancel each other out. It usually happens when the best teams are playing each other and they're both at the very peak of their powers. Um, yeah, neither team wants to give an inch. Neither team will want to lose this game. No, um, that's the key, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and the only the only niggling doubt in the back of my mind is that Klopp will play a high press and I can just see Rudiger pumping one into Jorginho and Jorginho just hooking one round his shoulder over the channel and, and Lukaku or Vernon running through on the high line and the high press. Um, but then you get you've got Van Dijk to chase him down, where yeah. he didn't have that last season. So um, you know, I guess I'm sort of sort of talking my my way around. Setting no, on but a that's what this is about because this is why it's an interesting game, Jake, for for anybody who's going to be able to watch this match or follow this match because they are going to cancel each other out with their strong defenses. And yeah, we talk about you know all the players I've just reeled off. You know, Lukaku have its mount, Salah, Jota, Mane, but in essence they are great at the back. So it's, it's difficult. We're relying heavily here on both defences turning up as well, aren't we? That's the, that's the whole thing. If, if either side, and it only takes one mistake from one of the immense centre-halves or defenders for either side, and we could quite easily see, um, you know, a, 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 well, you know, a couple of mistakes and all of a sudden it's 2-0 and it blows all our bets out of the water. But yeah. you're you factoring that Robertson's going to be back as well. He came on off the bench last week after his injury and you know you've got a full strength Liverpool back four or back five if you include Alisson and there's rumours that Fabinho might be back in as well after his um, time off for bereavement purposes so yeah all, to, all of a sudden you've got a really strong back six there um, for Liverpool and obviously Chelsea's back five and six is, is just really strong in general um, so yeah I'm, I think if I was going to back something in the 1x2 I would take the draw 
Um, as I've said, we, we've we've got Liverpool rated slightly above Chelsea, but literally there's a minute difference between the two on our ratings. These two are the most evenly matched teams on our ratings in the entire Premier League. Um, so that, you know, basically what we're saying with our percentages is that if these two met on a neutral venue, both would have the, an equal chance of winning. But because right. it's home yeah. field advantage, Liverpool have a slight edge. Um, so yeah, I'll be taking the draw. Um, and then I would also be looking at under 2.5 goals. I think that's my preferred bet in this one. Okay. Under 2.5, it's around 1.85 on Pinnacle at the moment. And, I, you know, I, I don't want to keep saying it, but these two defences are, are mean. They are mean defences. Chelsea in particular, they can go anywhere and keep a clean sheet if they wanted to because they just keep the ball for 90 minutes. Um, yeah, and Liverpool, they're, they, they, they're so brave in the way in which they defend, which is commendable. And the reason why they had such a struggle mid-season is because they had no Van Dijk. When they were playing brave, didn't have anyone to get them out of trouble when it did go wrong. Um, now they have that. And yeah, when it, when it comes to Tuchel in big games, it's very rare that they go over 2.5. He keeps them very tight, very controlled. Um, you know, they went to Liverpool last season and won 1-0 under Tuchel, if you remember. Yeah. Um, they obviously went to Arsenal recently uh, last week and, and won a very comfortable 2-0 Champions League final with a 1-0 um, yeah I, I'm, I'm very I'm out of the two bets the draw and under two and a half I'm much more leaning towards under 2.5 goals um, and usually it was a trend last season in particular matches between the best teams between the big six were predominantly low scoring affairs um, whether that was because of a lack of crowd mm. potentially factoring into that but um, either way I, I do think that the these two are just so evenly matched that they're going to cancel. It's going to be a fascinating tactical battle to watch, but I don't know if we'll see many goals. It's uh, it's great, actually, just watching you kind of, uh, I don't know, contradict yourself. It's brilliant. It's, <laughs> it's actually quite nice because Jake has all the data. Jake has all these things pointing towards everything, but this one is, a, you know, it's a difficult one to call, but you still manage to find, you know, a suggested bit of value there. Uh, two good bets, you know, taking a draw and under two and a half um, on pinnacle, um, under two and a half goals, that is, um, at 1.85. So there are your two bets for that. Um, obviously, we will see um, how we get on next week on that front, um, which will be interesting. You know, we will, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll analyse it. But I mean, it's, um, it is interesting. Forcing Jorginho and Kovacic into, you know, getting the ball early, I reckon you're, you are right, is key. Um, from from a, a Liverpool perspective, but it's at Anfield's home field advantage is back. I actually saw something the other day, Jake, um, about home field advantage. Um, complete, it was almost a heart, you know, almost halving um, when there was no crowds. Um, so actually, it's quite interesting now. There are crowds back in. It'll be interesting to see how much of a difference that does make. I think obviously they are more. Um, you know, lively, the crowds, since they have come back in a little bit, the excitement is still there. It's still the <laughs> yeah. novelty value. So it's, um, it's interesting to see what that is. We'll, we'll sort of, uh, we'll talk about that later on in the season when we've got a little bit more on that, I think. Uh, before we wrap up any other business, there are, of course, other fixtures. Those are just the ones that we picked out um, to try and, uh, well, uh, find the edge in terms of betting. Um, any of the fixtures then? So uh, Wolves against Manchester United, Norwich against Leicester, Brighton against Everton. I know you're a big Brighton fan, Jake. Um, well, not not in real life, but you know what I mean? In terms of uh, when we're doing the Premier League Insights podcast. This one looks like a tricky one for them, though. It's the kind of game that actually they could be winning. Um but, you know, th these are the games that they're going to have to win if they are going to have the season that you reckon that they potentially should be doing what the data points towards. That'll be an interesting one. That's at the Amex. And anything else just before we wrap up, um, you know, in the, in the next five minutes or so, Jake, you um, you let me know. What do you think? 
Yeah, that, that Brighton-Everton game is a, it's a fascinating one because obviously anyone who's listened to Premier League Insights for the last two seasons will know that Brighton are the favoured team when it comes to XG. Um, they're very unfortunate last season. Picked up where they've left off this season um, in terms of creating chances, limiting their opponents. They did that you know, very easy win against Watford. It was comfortable, wasn't it? Um, again, just limiting their, their Watford to next to nothing. And, you know, while many people will look at the price about Brighton to win against Everton, a team that do look also very, I've been impressed with them uh, in the early mm. stages, around 2.4 Brighton to beat Everton. Um, I won't put anyone off back in that personally. I, I do think there's maybe a smidge of value there. And the main reason for that is because you dig into the data from last season and while Brighton ranked as one of the worst home teams in the Premier League on actual result, only Manchester City and Chelsea collected more expected points at home than Brighton. And no team had a better defensive record at home than Brighton when it comes to expected goals. So they are a sensational home team. And then you factor in the fact that, you know, fans are back in the stadium, they're going to get that extra motivation. Um, maybe give them an extra, you know, 0.05 of a goal in terms of the ratings and the percentages. Um, then, yeah, they, they look a mean proposition and they've got an opportunity against Everton, really, to do something you know, remarkable and win the first three matches of the season and almost, I'm not going to say guarantee the safety because, you know, we're so early on, but nine points. I mean, you only need, what, 36 to stay up? You're yeah. pretty much, you know, you're caught. Pretty much there. there, aren't you, with nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just write them off as safe. Um, but yeah, I, personally, I I won't pay anyone off back in Brighton, but I won't be backing them myself this week because I think Everton have shown me enough in the opening couple of matches to suggest that they're going to be a real player this season. Um, yeah. Much better than what they were last season. They went to Leeds, won the XG battle really comprehensively. Um, and obviously that followed up a, a really convincing win against Southampton as well. So positive signs from Everton. Um, that's going to be real contrasting styles. You've got Brighton who like to play through the thirds um, nice and you know, not slowly, but controlled. And Everton like to get it back, for, back to front very quickly under Benitez and get a lot of crosses into the box. So interesting tactical battle. I'm a bit disappointed it's not on telly because I wouldn't like to have watched the full game of that one. Um, but yeah, if you can watch it wherever you're listening, definitely watch that one of the of the 3pm games. Um, yeah, you and the other American listeners, just, yeah. you can just watch every single game if you want on NBC. Oh, it's great. Gosh. If only, Jake, if only. Uh, I mean, we had again, it for the last season, didn't we? Yeah, well, I know we did. Sure, and it was great. Uh, Jake, um, any more value in those other games uh, before, we, uh, before we nip off? and uh, let people get onto Pinnacle and start placing some bets. Yes, um, Newcastle. I like their their chances this weekend against Southampton. Um, anyone who's listened so far will know that um, we're not big fans of Southampton. No, uh, in for goal, um, and that's continued. I know the you know to the eye test, they looked okay against Manchester United. Uh, the pundits afterwards were saying, yeah, you know, they deserved a draw, but they seem to be forgetting that Manchester United squandered chance after chance in the first 20 minutes and should have had the game to bed, really. Um, the XG total was 0.66 to 2.16. For perspective, Southampton lost 3-1 at Everton with an XG total of 2.19 to 0.75. So pretty much identical XG totals. Kind of shows you the fact that they, how fortunate they were. They deserved they lost 3-1 in one game, fortunate to get a 1-1 draw. And if they continue conceding chances at that rate, I mean, at the back end of last season, I think they lost, was it 15 of the last 21 or something like that? Um, allowing around 1.9 expected goals against the game. They've carried on this season, conceding over two expected goals in the two matches so far. They're playing against a Newcastle team who, um, you know, we've spoken about plenty of times 
on this podcast over the last couple of uh, months, the way in which they've actually improved in attack, they're creating more chances regularly. Finished last season strongly um, in that on that front, and I think they'll be able to create chances against Southampton. So they're at home. They've got packs at James's Park. They'll be playing attacking football. They've got Callum Wilson, St. Maxima and Alma on all fit and firing. Um, I think they'll be able to cause Southampton some real issues. So the price that available, um, I, was, I was just dead shocked to see the fact that the, the prices are so similar. I mean, 2.6 for Newcastle, 2.78 for Southampton. That says that Pinnacle or the, whoever bookmaker you, is basically saying that Southampton are better than Newcastle on a neutral venue. And, and I yeah. don't think that's the case currently. So I think we can take a little bit of value there in, uh, in back in Newcastle. Now, the only other game I was looking at really was the Sunday game Wolves versus Manchester United now uh, you look at the extra- with that one we don't know what Manchester United are playing at yet do we really because they look so good on the first week second week they should have put Southampton to the sword and they didn't so is the value in that because we don't really know what's going to happen you know that's a, that's an honest thing you know I'm thinking yeah. if, from a listener's perspective they're going to think I'm not touching them with a 10 foot barge pole at the moment because we don't know. We, don't, we just don't know what side's going to turn up. And I think he's still trying to work out Solskjaer, isn't he? Understandably, there's only been two games. What what team is the best team? And, you know, working out what his team can do, really. I mean, he did play uh, Fred with Matic, um, which I suppose is one of the silliest things I've ever seen from any football <laughs> manager in any league. You know, so that's who's on your hit list this week. Yeah, I think We're so. That was, I'm waiting right till the end, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> but you know no, what I mean? I what, what's going on? You know, where is the value there? I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. I'm firmly still in the Manchester United camp um, okay. on this one. Uh, like you said, they were really good against Leeds, Put, blew them away. Um and against Southampton, as I've just said, they were very, very unfortunate not to come away with the three points. They deserved to win that match. They should have had it over and done with. They created enough chances. And even in the second half, it looked like they were going to saunter through and, and, and score at will, really. And, and just for perspective, I've said the XG totals, but based on the chances created, we would expect Man United to win that game 72% of the time. So well. kind of shows you how dominant they were. Um, you know, And if they continue playing at that, in that manner, the, the wins will come. Uh, whether they'll do enough to, to challenge for a title, I'm not too sure. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to go win the league or anything, but I do think that there's, you know, there's a bit of, been a bit of an overreaction in terms of price for um, for this match in particular. Uh, you can back Man United at 1.8 on Pinnacle. And they were around 1.6 when they went off last week against Southampton. Um, so I personally would probably put Man United around the 1.7 mark for this. I think Wolves are obviously they're better than Southampton, um, but they're having some real teething issues of their own at the start of this season under Bruno Lagos. Yeah, I, you look at the XG totals from Wolves against Tottenham and you'd think, wow, Wolves had a good game. 1.82 against Tottenham. Yeah. Tottenham 1.57. But then if you actually go to the Infragol shot map, open the shot map up, you start to see why they didn't score because it's just one big chance from Traore and then loads of pot shots from distance. Um, and if you do the same thing for the game against Leicester, in which they also won the XG battle, you'll see the exact same thing. They are mm. a shot machine. They get into areas at the edge of the box and they just pull the trigger. Now, they're going to have a game where a couple of those will go in and they'll win a game that yeah, they don't course. deserve to. Um, but... You know, that's not a sustainable way of playing football. No. I mean, we saw it from Everton, didn't we, earlier on last season, where they were basically scoring goals that they had no right to score and it propelled them up the table. And you looked at the XG and they had no right to be where they were. But you're right, it doesn't happen very often. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. It's it's, it's a chance. It's a sort of, it's a balance between 
quality and quantity yeah. and shot accumulation, which makes your XG look fantastic because you're taking loads of shots. That's not sometimes not the best way of doing it. And um, yeah, ultimately it looks like, you know, the, the new coach has come in. He is a more expansive coach. So he's, they are getting into more advanced areas more regularly, but also game states factored into, it's got to be factored into that because they, they're going behind so early in matches that all of a sudden the other team's just retreating and letting them have the, uh, you know, the possession, getting to the areas they want to get into. And that, that's why they're getting so many shots off and attempts off. Um, so yeah, obviously Man United's, we're talking about a team here that have not lost in 27 away matches in the Premier League, which is just astonishing. And if they yeah. avoid defeat at Molyneux, then it'll be a record 28. And I fully expect them to avoid defeat. And I, I think the way in which they're playing, the only the only thing that scares me is Adama Traore. He's like a he's he's almost like mm. an anomaly. He could do something daft any given day and win a game single handedly. I mean, he was awesome against Tottenham. Should have scored really and evened it up. Um, deserved the goal really from his performance, but. He's the sort of wow factor. He's the X factor you just can't consider because he can do something daft on any given Sunday and really cause damage. But I think the way these two teams are playing, I'd be happy to back Manchester United at 1.8. Well, there we have it. That completes all our Premier League insight uh, for the upcoming game week, which is game week three here uh, with Pinnacle. Uh, you can find more about the InfoGoal model that Jake refers to, by the way, at infogoal.net. It's brilliant. It's got all your stats on there. It means that you can kind of trade off um, some odds against other odds and various different bits and bobs and really try and find the value as well. We've hopefully tried to give you as much value as possible on this third podcast of the new season. All the latest Premier League markets are at pinnacle.com and you can follow all our latest posts at Pinnacle on Twitter. There's loads of stuff online as well at pinnacle.com. Loads of little deep dives into various games and tournaments and weekends and whatnot. Um, and also just remember to subscribe to this podcast. If you've got this far, you must really like it. So fair play to you um, for getting this far as well. Um, have a great weekend watching the soccer um, to all our friends around the globe. We'll speak to you next week. Um, and also you can follow us on Instagram, pinnacle.betting. Um, and there's some really good little posts on there as well. And little bits of short snippets of insights and stuff on our social channels. So there you have it. It is Premier League Insights, game week number three, over and out. And we'll be back next week for game week number four.